0: Welcome to the North Church Women's Bible Study Podcast. We are so glad that you have joined us for a discussion of Lesson 8, Resurrection. Today joining me is Julia Dembeck, one of our co-leaders for the Wednesday Evening Discussion Group. Julia also serves on our Women's Ministry Leadership Team and as a co-leader for our Monday Evening Moms Group. And I probably don't even know all that the other serving she does. I'm sure she's in the nursery sometimes. And but uh, we're just
1: so delighted to have Julia
0: here today. And so, Julia, would you introduce yourself before we get started on our lesson?
1: Yeah, I am so thankful to be here. It is a sweet joy to be able to dive deeper into these trees that we studied, and I love the word, but especially being able to talk about it with other women. So it's a joy to be here. And I have three boys and seven, five, and two. And I get to homeschool them and um, married to Ryan for almost 13 years. And he serves as an elder here. And we love this body and being able to see all that God is doing in and through this church. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's pray as we
0: start. Oh, Heavenly Father, what a joy it is to come together with this dear sister in Christ, to be able to Open up the word and just rejoice in who you are for us, Jesus, Mm -hmm. that you are our resurrected Savior, that you are living and active in our lives and in the world today. Mm -hmm. And so we look forward to just being able to rejoice over this lesson. So thank you for being with us and help us to see more of you as we dive in. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so last week we saw a very precious portrait of the amazing grace and the love of God in substitutionary atonement. Mm -hmm. And I got to think about, I guess you'd say it's irony, but the fact that Jesus kills death by dying on a cross, and he triumphs over the tomb by being laid in a tomb, and then he crushes sin by becoming sin for us. There's just such a beauty in this incredibly good news that we have. And then to be able to see another portrait now of Jesus as our precious Savior um, in the resurrection.
1: And this is just so important to our faith. Yeah. Without the resurrection, we don't have hope. We don't have the crushing of sin and death and eternal life. That's right. And that's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians
0: 15, which Mm -hmm. I would love to be able to read together here. So would you like to read that for us? Yes.
1: Now, if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is in vain and your faith is in vain. We are even found to be misrepresenting God because we testified about God, that he raised Christ, whom he did not raise, if it is true, But
0: the great news is, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. Mm. The first fruits of those who are fallen asleep. Amen. And, you know, this is a, this that he is the first fruits is really another beautiful title that we're going to get into in Lesson 9 coming mm. up after Easter when we meet again. So we're not going to say a whole lot about that in this lesson. But, you know, Julie, you probably know people who insist on proof. And they're not quite convinced that the resurrection actually happened yeah. like Thomas you know unless they see and I just think it's so sweet that there is a lot of evidence that Jesus rose from the dead and although we don't have time to dig into a lot of those things I just wanted to mention that uh, books like evidence that demand mm-hmm. a verdict by Josh McDowell is an incredibly detailed resource that would be available for women who are maybe trying to explain some of the Mm -hmm. proofs that Jesus really did rise from the dead.
1: That's helpful, especially in looking towards Easter and sharing with those that are wondering, Mm -hmm. how can we actually know? Yeah, yeah. So, you know, in Jesus' day, just like our
0: own day, skeptics, you know, they want proof, and the religious leaders demanded a sign from Jesus. The signs that he'd done already weren't quite enough for them, and then the sign that he gave them must have caused a little bit of confusion. <laughs> he said This he would give them the sign of the prophet Jonah. And so I got to wondering about how, if any of those that are doing this lesson said, I wonder why Pam's taking us back to Jonah, of all places. So yeah, it does seem interesting initially.
1: <laughs> I'm like, how does this have to do with Jesus? Yeah.
0: Well, but Jesus said, just as Jonah was three days and three nights in the belly of the great fish, so will the Son of Man, Jesus, be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. And he said, you know, he called himself, he's something greater than Jonah. And so this idea of, I mean, Jonah didn't actually die, but he he would have if God didn't rescue him. But Jesus actually Dies Mm -hmm. and there's proof that he was dead, and then he raised, you know, he's raised from the dead on the third day. And so, I thought before we actually dive into the lesson where we, you know, jump into John 11, uh, Jesus as the resurrection and the life, I wanted to explore a little bit more about this topic about three days and three nights and this idea of on the third day, because what Paul says in First Corinthians. 15, three and four, he says, I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day. There's that that phrase that we're going to look at. And he says that that's in accordance with the scriptures. So he says this twice. And we've already looked last week about all the scriptures that talked about him dying for, for our sins, this idea of yeah. for our sins, but I got to thinking, well, what does Paul mean by these scriptures in accordance with the scriptures? What scriptures could he be talking about?
1: Yeah, and it is incredible to see as we look through scripture, all of the references to the third day and the significance, yeah. like we saw with Jonah, and as we continue to see what that means with the third day yeah and how that points to jesus yeah
0: so there's not um we can't point to a certain chapter and verse in isaiah or one of the other prophets that, that says jesus would be raised on the third day but there's a pattern mm-hmm. in the old testament and the jews used this method of interpretation that they called midrash that looked for patterns and so this is a bit of a rabbit trail you might say but i've i just found it so interesting when i searched uh blue letter bible for this phrase on the third day i found 37 passages (laughs) and you know some of them didn't really apply but i I pulled out some just to give um, give us a flavor and so one of the first ones that we see is genesis uh, chapter one uh where God created everything in the in the everything that we see right but on the third day is the the first time life appears on our planet and because Mm -hmm. it happened on the third day start of new life so that is I think pretty significant
1: especially as we'll see later how Jesus is life yes and on the third day he defeated death and brought eternal
0: life eternal life yeah it's it's beautiful the way the Bible is tied together. Mm-hmm. So now if we go to Genesis uh, chapter 22, uh, one through four, we see this story of Abraham and Isaac. And we've been through this a couple of times already mm-hmm. in this study, as we saw how this is just an important type of Jesus as God provides the sacrifice of the lamb at the last minute uh, in place of Isaac. And so this takes place at in the area of, uh, it says, the area of the land of Moriah, and that's actually the same region that Jesus would be crucified. Wow. Jerusalem is on this mount, you know, it's Mount Moriah. And so Hebrews 11, 17 through 19 gives us a really sweet connection here in, in into an The mind of Abraham and what's going on. He says, by faith, Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promise was in the act of offering up his only son. And that should, we've seen that, we've seen that title for Jesus. whom it was said, through Isaac shall all your offspring be named. He considered that God was able even to raise him from the dead. Resurrection of Isaac from which figuratively speaking, he did receive him back. So I just, I'm just amazed that because God, you know, God provided this lamb. And if you look back in the passage in Genesis, when did this happen? All this is happening on the third day, you know, he goes up the mountain and that's where the substitute is found. Mm.
1: Yeah,
0: beautiful. All right. let's look at another one. Uh, This is when Joshua crosses the Jordan. Um, We studied the book of Joshua a couple years ago here at the North Church and this is another sweet uh, picture of what God does for us as Joshua and the people were told to prepare because within three days you're to pass over this Jordan to go in and take possession of the land. And this is you know on the third day is when they're going to go across the jordan and so this is a a picture of transitioning from bondage and slavery that they had escaped from egypt mm. into the promised land where they would have
1: freedom and that new life and that promised land life. Yeah, and seeing on the third day again experiencing that new life yeah yeah
0: they go down through the river and yeah mm. on the other side that's, that's where the resurrection <laughs> like a resurrection yeah, well, there are a lot more, and I, I've listed them here on this slide. We have we have Esther, uh, we have Hezekiah. We talked about this last week that Yahweh came down on Mount Sinai to meet with Moses and the people, and, but that was also on the third day. Yeah. And, in fact, even Jesus, his miracle at the wedding in Cana took place on the third day. So this is a common phrase. But I looked. I decided to look back and look at when... Did we see resurrections in the Old Testament? Mm-hmm. So that's the next slide here. We're not going to spend a lot of time on each of these, but just to mention that there's three resurrections in the Old Testament. We have Elijah who raises the widow's son, and incidentally, how oh, he does this—he stretch, he stretches himself out upon the child three times, and cries out to the Lord, "Oh Lord, my God, let this child's life come into him mm-hmm. again." Amazing, right? Yeah. And then Elisha raises the Shunammite son. And then we have this story about Elisha's bones, which is mind-blowing. If those of you that are listening are not familiar with this story, this is incredible because Elisha had died and they buried him. And then they have this band of Moabites that were invading the land and they throw a dead body in there. And the body comes to life when it hits Elisha's (laughs) bones. Uh, As my grandson would say, that is crazy amazing. Exactly. (laughs) So then in the New Testament, we've talked about a couple of these already in our study a couple of weeks ago. We talked about Jesus raising the son of the widow at Nain and Jairus' daughter. And we have the resurrection of Lazarus. So three resurrections in the ministry of Jesus.
1: It is incredible how there's three in the Old Testament and three in the New Testament and we see and yes. Jesus yeah. continuing to work and as mm-hmm. we'll dive into him being the resurrection. Yeah. Yeah. So now after that little rabbit trail, we're going to go to John 11. And so
0: this is on page 117 of the workbook. And we're back on track in our lesson. I am the resurrection and the life. So as we get started, this is question two in your workbook, to talk about where this happens, where were Jesus and his disciples when the story began, and I found this kind of interesting.
1: It is, especially since we it's noted that Jesus specifically stays where he's at and to see the difference yeah. of where he was and where he needed to go.
0: Yeah, and so we learned from verse 18 of John 11 that the Bethany that is in this story is right down here. This is Bethany, and it's very close to Jerusalem. You can see it was only about two miles away, verse 18 tells us. We also know that Jesus and his disciples were not in this area of, this This is the area of Judea here, and they weren't in Judea, because Jesus says later, let us go back yeah. to Judea. So we can't be exactly sure where it, where this is, but there's some scholars who believe that because Jesus and his disciples had left Jerusalem to get away from the opposition, that they were, they might've been up here. They might've gone further North and across the Jordan might've been up more in this area because this guy, Philip was a little less um, crazy than the Herod that was down here in (laughs) Judea.
1: That's interesting.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So if, if anyone's interested, I will send a link in the email that talks a little bit more about this area that they think that, his disciples were at.
1: So let's dive into John 11 now. And would you
0: read that for us, Julia?
1: Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. It was Mary who anointed the Lord with ointment and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was ill. So the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, he whom you love is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. It is for the glory of God, so that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again.
0: So let's talk for a minute about the expectations of the sisters.
1: Yeah. They knew Jesus loved them and yeah. loved Lazarus. And so yeah. they expected, if we yeah. let Jesus know that our brother is ill, he's going to come. He's going to yeah. come quickly and heal him. We've seen him heal others before. Yeah. He can do this. Yeah.
0: They they were, they were knew about his ministry of healing. Yeah. They had probably w- witnessed other healings. They knew he had the power to heal. And so this brings up a little bit of attention. It does. Here, doesn't it? Because... The reason that he gives his disciples for the delay he says this illness does not lead to death it is it's for the glory of god so that the son of god may be glorified through it and then and what he does is he stays intentionally yes. stays. yeah because the text says so when he heard he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. And so I imagine that this brings up kind of a tension for many of us because, you know, here at the North Church, we believe very strongly in the sovereignty of God, don't we?
1: Yeah, we do. We know that he is over all things and he is in all things. And yet when we know that and we experience suffering and trials, there is this tension of, okay, how is he good and loving Mm -hmm. in this when he is over all of this? Mm -hmm. And that's what we see here is, Mm -hmm. all right, Jesus, you love my brother, you love us, and yet you're intentionally staying, and it doesn't look like you're bringing this healing that we know you're capable of. Yes, the text is so clear. Jesus
0: loved them. Mm -hmm and that was that's connected with the purpose he loved them so he delays he's got a purpose that they don't see mm-hmm.
1: and it is that greater purpose of you don't know what I'm going to do yet and mm-hmm. to see my glory and to reveal the father's glory is better than this this immediate healing yeah and even later on of how it says, so that you may believe, of ultimately yes. seeing that belief is yes. better yes. than what may have initially happened if he just went right away and healed Lazarus.
0: Yeah. And so even though sometimes what's happening in our lives doesn't feel like love, we have to reconsider what what is love. Yeah. And perhaps the most loving thing that God can do is show us more of himself Mm -hmm. in the things that we're walking through. And in an article that I read this week, John Piper uh, wrote a definition of love based on this text. And he said, Love is doing whatever you have to do or whatever God has to do at whatever cost in order for the glory of God to be shown.
1: Mm. That's so good because that's counter to what our culture says love is or just even what we can wrap our minds around what we feel like is love Mm -hmm. and really breaking from prosperity gospel of like if god loves me then i'm going to experience health wealth and prosperity and that's not at all what god intends in showing us more of himself and what his love is for us Mm -hmm. yeah
0: i think it's unfortunate that we sometimes tend to think of these things as either or He's either sovereign or he loves me, rather than just staying in the tension that both are true. Even if we can't see what his purposes are in the things that we're going through. But, you know, we see in this story that because Jesus loved them, because of his love, he stayed there. But he was also trusting them with a very bitter providence, you know, seeing their brother, die but he knew that they were going to get a glimpse of who he was yeah. as the resurrection of the life you know there's so many times i think that I, I know in my life that i've there's been hard things yeah i've had a lot of hard things the last couple of years mm-hmm. and i know you have too
1: yeah i have been in that point many times of questioning if god is sovereign how can he allowed this to happen and yet wrestling with the tension that he does not he never withholds his love as Mm. we see in Romans 8 like nothing can separate us from the love of God like he he is love and therefore it can't be removed even in the suffering and the hard things of that we experience and that I know anyone listening has experienced in that Mm. questioning of okay if he does care for me then why would he allow this to happen and yet to be able to experience more of him yes. is ultimately better. And to realize to see more of his glory is better mm-hmm. and that he has demonstrated it to us through the death and resurrection of Jesus, mm-hmm. to have him and even if the thing isn't resolved, mm-hmm. but more of Jesus as we continue to see through yeah. how he shows Mary and Martha. Yeah. I love the words
0: of in christ alone Mm -hmm. there's a verse that says firm through the fiercest drought and storm what heights of love what depths of peace when fears are still when striving cease my comforter my all-in-all here in the love of christ i stand amen you know even when those storms are swirling that's where our confidence is Mm -hmm. he's our rock that we stand on his love And he will never leave us or forsake us. And he is writing a story in our lives that is better than we could even imagine. Yeah. If we go on in these next verses here, we see something else that might be kind of a shocking statement.
1: Do you want to read this next section for us? Yeah. After saying things, he said to them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I go to awaken him. The disciples said to him, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will recover. Now, Jesus had spoken of his death, but they thought he meant being taking rest and sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus has died. And for your sake, I am glad that I was not there so that you may believe. But let us go to him. So this is what I was kind of alluding to earlier that now we can fully see and unpack. of oh, how it Jesus is making known. I want you to believe. And yeah. so it is a good thing that I was not there. Yeah. So you can believe who who I am mm-hmm. and who I am. Yeah.
0: And he's about to do that. He is about to reveal to Mary and Martha who, who he is. Right? So yeah. he arrives on the scene. It's, you know, Lazarus, we find out, has been in the tomb for four days when Jesus arrives. And so he first uh, talks to Martha and,
1: Uh, Do you want to read this next section? Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day.
0: Martha is implying here, you know, if only you'd been here,
1: right? You could have healed him. Yeah, she knows that he has the power to, but kind of has this limited sense of its power.
0: Right, yeah. It's like, do you really do you really love me? What's yeah. your plan? I can't see your plan. So yeah. Martha is very disappointed here, but she still shows such confidence in Jesus because mm-hmm. she says, I know that whatever you ask from God, God will give you. I got to thinking, do I really have this, confidence in, in God. Do I really trust him to say, God, I know you are sovereign in my pain and you can do whatever you want, whatever you think is best for me and for your glory. Yeah. Those are That's a hard place to get to in our suffering and pain.
1: Yeah, especially when you're in the midst of it and haven't quite seen what a glimpse of even what yeah. Is going to yeah. happen yeah. and be resolved. Yeah.
0: Well then Jesus goes on. Here's now where he's gonna show himself to her.
1: Yeah. But Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet he shall yet shall he live. And everyone who lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, the Son of God, who is coming into the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Oh, so Jesus here, because we know he loves Martha, he does, he's now revealing to her who he is. And I think one of the things that struck me in this that Jesus puts the emphasis on who he is, not on what he does. Yeah. You know, he could have said, Martha, I want you to know that I can resurrect people. Or, Martha, I want you to know that I can give new life. But he says, I am.
1: Yes. He wants to turn her focus and confidence into who he is and not just the outcome of the circumstance.
0: Right. Yeah.
1: To trust in him.
0: Yeah.
1: Yeah, and he makes that incredible
0: promise about, you know, whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. It's so sweet. That's us, isn't it? Whoever believes. Yeah, and so Jesus wanted all these bystanders, the other grievers here to make the connection between himself and them and what he's about to do for Lazarus, that he has a promise, not only what he's going to do to Lazarus, but whoever believes, whoever. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And I think we've seen, haven't we seen this? whoever believes.
1: We've seen this over and over in our study. Yeah. And how that does continue to point to how Jesus is coming to bring that eternal life Mm -hmm. for those who believe. Yeah,
0: Yeah. Just as God promised, He would rescue us from death by giving Himself for us. So He is the ultimate life giver, the resurrection, and the life. I was challenged by a thought from John Piper this week. Um, He said, Think about Lazarus dying and Jesus not going and letting him die because he loved him. You shouldn't whitewash that, diminish that, or minimize that by saying, oh, he's gonna raise him four days later because he's gonna raise you too. Hmm. And the difference between your death and resurrection and Lazarus's death and rising four days later are virtually the same, except yours is better. You never die again. Poor Lazarus, he had to go through it twice. He said, this is John Piper still. He says, if you're going to minimize Lazarus's experience, you better minimize your own Mm. and say, it's no big deal to die. I'm going to rise in four days anyway. I mean, more or less. But we don't do that. You know you don't do that. You don't minimize your own death. You don't minimize your loved one's death. You take it seriously. You groan. You Mm. grieve. You ache, and that's the way we should feel about this. Mm. You know, it was, even though Jesus knew he was going to be raising Lazarus, we go on to see some beautiful truths about how he, you know, speaks again. Like he comes, Mary now is next. So would you
1: like to read that? Now when Mary came to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and was greatly troubled. And he said, Where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus wept. So
0: here we have Mary asking the same question as Martha. I could imagine they maybe had sitting around having coffee, they probably had this conversation a couple of times. Like, wouldn't life like, be different if Jesus would've come right away? If God. only Jesus were was here. And I just think this is such a beautiful, sweet section here because Jesus just loves them and he enters into their pain and their loss. He identifies with their
1: sorrows and brokenness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love how that points us to what we've covered before in Isaiah fifty-three mm-hmm. of how He has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, and how yeah, He does enter into that with us. And we see His tenderness and how He wept and yeah. He experienced that. Mm-hmm. And we can continue to bring our sorrows and brokenness to Him because mm-hmm. He wants to enter into that.
0: Yeah, and I think He He models something for us here too in terms of. Sometimes we feel uncomfortable with someone who has experienced incredible loss or grief and we don't know what to do,
1: but just being with them and
0: weeping, weeping with those who weep is a good thing.
1: Yeah, Jesus didn't come right in and say, all right, like I'm gonna make it all better. But no, he did sit in that sorrow. Yeah,
0: yeah it also says here that that he was deeply moved in his spirit and greatly troubled. And Don Carson said that this translation just doesn't get the true sense. He says that these are not terms for compassion, but of Mm. indignation, not tenderness, but agitation. Mm. Jesus was upset, disturbed, even outraged. And then I thought, I just wanted to look at this a little bit because I think there's a couple ways that what the Jews said here in this next section, how, how they could have said it, like, I think, right here. So the Jews said, here's this phrase right here, and I think you could say it, like, in a very, like, they were just like so amazed at the compassion of Jesus. Or they could have said it in a really snarky way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so they could have said, oh, see how he loved him in a sense saying, well, he had love, but maybe he didn't quite have enough power mm. to actually come and heal Lazarus, yeah. you know? Like he was powerless, you know? But yeah, that, that snarky sense too, like, because they go on to say, could not he who opened the eyes of blind men also have kept this man from dying? And our answer is, of course. Yeah. Of course he could have kept him, he's God. Uh-huh. And so I think the implication might be here that, well, maybe he doesn't really love Lazarus. Otherwise, couldn't he have kept him from dying? So maybe they were like using air quotes here, like, see how much he loved him. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, questioning his motives. Like he has the power, but he didn't really love him that much. We don't really know what this is just my speculation here but it, it made jesus angry either way because neither implication was right here right yeah pitting
1: jesus love against his sovereignty we talked about that yeah. earlier and it does seem like that's what they're trying to do in saying that yeah. yeah
0: so you know don carson um had a quote that i thought i would share here he said that but death itself is part of that whole cycle of things. Jesus looks at it, death, and all the devastation it causes. He is outraged. He is troubled, and he weeps. I tell you frankly that moral outrage without tears easily descends into hard-hearted, self-righteous irascibility. I had to look that yeah. word up. That's a big one. It means he it was like super angry. Tears without moral outrage in this broken world descend into mere sentimentalization Jesus will not run either direction in fact his response here on the one hand full of outrage and yet in peers is a picture of god himself in all of this for there is a sense you see in which god stands over against us in judgment or else his own holiness and morality and integrity are impugned but he stands over against us in love too, because he is that kind of God. Now, what will he do? You know, now, what's next? What is Jesus going to do next? So he really reveals himself to us in these very sweet ways here. He's outraged at death,
1: but he has such love Mm -hmm. and compassion. Which is another level of, like, just comfort in seeing. I mean, I am actually... Heard this pulled out in this way, and it's really helpful and brings, I feel like, even more depth to Jesus' response Mm -hmm. and seeing it as that. Yeah. So now Jesus
0: goes on to raise Lazarus. And so we're going to just finish the rest of the story here.
1: Then Jesus, deeply moved again, Mm -hmm. came to the tomb. It was a cave, and a stone lay against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, And when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The man who had died came out, his hands and feet bound with linen strips and his face wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to him, unbind him and let him go. Mm.
0: (laughs) One commentator that I read said, was a good thing he addressed Lazarus by name, or all the dead would have come out of their tombs. <laughs> it was that that's much crazy. power. That much power, because he is, he, he is the resurrection and the life, and he's also the author of life.
1: Yeah.
0: And so that is our next section of our lesson, and that's on page one nineteen. Um, and we see that shortly after raising Lazarus, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, crowds cheering, Hosanna. And then he gave his life for ours on the cross. And then Peter talks about this in his sermon in Acts 3. And he kind of gets in the face of these religious leaders here, doesn't he?
1: He does. He is very (laughs) blunt with them and how he addresses them. (laughs) And he specifically speaks of how they yeah how he boldly accused the religious leaders and what they were doing and then it makes known who Jesus is and how they denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murder to be granted and they killed the author of life but yet he goes on to say whom God raised from the dead and we see them later on that then they believed as Peter Mm -hmm. boldly Boldly. Mm yeah these
0: I, I just love this name, the author of life. You know, and I just got to wondering, you know, it's, I mean, it's such good news that Jesus is raised from the dead. That is the great news that Peter is preaching here. But what does it mean for us that Jesus is the author
1: of life? Do you have any thoughts Uh, on that? I love that he pulled out this title, author of life, because we know that Jesus is God. And so he is the creator of life. Mm -hmm. He is the founder and source of life, of physical life. But now we see Jesus coming in and bringing spiritual life. Yes, And so he's not only the author of the physical body state, state, Mm -hmm. but eternal life. Mm -hmm. And so through him, we see this new side of what it means to experience him as Mm -hmm. life. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think it's really beautiful even to think of of Jesus being an author and how he writes our stories. Yeah, and, he, and is he is the word. He is the word. The word made flesh. It's a beautiful connections. So let's look at um, how First John talks about that Jesus is the true God and eternal life. Um, I think many people think about Jesus Bringing us eternal life, giving us eternal life, but John seems to be saying here, Jesus, Jesus is the eternal life. Yeah, he is the true God
1: and eternal life. Yeah, that he is life, and that truly, we can't we can't experience life apart from him, but christ is in us in this dwelling of seeing he is life and in him we have life and i mean you see this all i feel like woven throughout of how um what we were just referring to before of jesus is the word and his life was made manifest among us Mm -hmm. and that continual this theme woven through
0: and i think you know, we're, we haven't quite gotten to this part yet, but with Thomas, you know, we talked about Thomas at the beginning here, but, you know, the idea that, yes, Jesus had, you know, he was made manifest, even John says, we've heard, we've seen, looked upon, even touched with our hands. I mean, they had witnessed Jesus is real. He, he did show himself yeah. in amazing ways and to proclaim it. I mean because they are witnesses so their role now and and ours as well to testify to it and proclaim mm. that he is eternal life all right let's uh move right along julia i feel like i could visit with you all day about this i know there's so much we could unpack. back <laughs> so we're going to go next to the section on i am the way the truth and the life and this is the last of the i am statements that we're going to cover in this study and oh there's such comfort here Uh, but it's also not seen as real pc in our culture to claim that there is the exclusive one way right our culture finds it very intolerant to talk about that
1: yeah what brings us the most comfort is the most repelling to others of how can you say that there's this exclusivity of yeah. one
0: way yeah one thing that i found found was really interesting in this section looking at the way the truth and the life is how jesus fulfills the th- three main offices that god provided for his covenant people talked about him being prophet priest and king mm-hmm. And I had not seen this connection before digging in to the way, the truth, and the life. So as a prophet, Jesus is the the truth of the Father. He is, like we said just a minute ago, the Word made flesh, the final word that God has spoken to us, as it says in Hebrews 1. And then as priest, he is the way to the Father. He's both the sacrifice for our sins and the mediator of the new covenant. We're going to look at that in more detail in lesson nine, our next lesson, and then the beautiful connection that we have to our study last fall about who is the King of Glory. Jesus is our King, and He is the life from the sovereign giver of life. He's from the Eternal Father. He gives life now. And for eternity he's the king that the father is already installed in zion and he's ruler over all the kings of the earth so as the way the truth and the life jesus is really fulfilling old testament rules
1: that is incredible <laughs> i hadn't pulled that out that is so rich to see yeah what was promised and how it is fulfilled mm-hmm. mm. yeah well so let's
0: dig a little bit more into jesus as the way he said i am the way and i think this shouldn't probably surprise us because jesus call for all of his disciples were follow me and as we follow him and we're obedient to what he teaches us then he is going to lead us in in the way and all the way to the father yeah right so this idea of a a way is something that we've seen throughout the scriptures and so we looked at a couple of them from Hebrews and Ephesians here in the lesson and this is on page 124. Were there any of these that kind of jumped out at you that impacted you as you studied this
1: week? Yeah, I love being reminded of how as we were just um, referencing in the old, like the old covenant, there was just all of the just rituals and just what they had to go through with the priests, with the tabernacle and the separation of the Holy of Holies. And now because of Jesus's sacrifice and his blood covering that he provides that way where we have that confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, how he made a way that he opened for us through the curtain mm-hmm. that is through his flesh. Like we are able to enter in and receive access to God because of Jesus's death and yeah. resurrection. And just, I mean, mind blowing how simple it is for us now to have access to God yeah. through Jesus. And yet it was not like that for no thousands yeah. of years. Uh, I think of the children's
0: book, The Garden, the Curtain, yeah. and the Cross. And the phrase throughout that book is, because of sin, you can't come in. Yeah. And now, because of Jesus, we can come in. Mm-hmm. Because that curtain is is ripped in two, yeah. from the top to the bottom. And that curtain is, is Jesus himself, yeah. his body torn for us. It's incredible. It's such a beautiful picture. So, you know, Jesus also described two ways in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, and this is question 12 in the workbook. And so when he said, I am the way, you know, what characterizes Jesus way versus the other way?
1: Yeah, we see how he says initially the gate that is wide leads to destruction. And those that enter it are many, but the gate that is narrow, the way that is hard, leads to life. And those that find it are few. Of seeing how limited is the limited is the way, but it's only through Him. And yet, when we do trust in Him and believe, it's expansive what we receive. And amen
0: jesus also described those that try to use another way and this is Mm -hmm. question 13 and i had to go back to lesson five here to make the connection because you know jesus said that he was the door and those that try to go in another way are like
1: thieves and robbers yeah that was helpful to reference back to what we've studied with jesus as the door and seeing again that those opposed to and rejecting Jesus as trying to get in another way, but how you can only, Jesus being the door, only entering through Him. There's no other way mm-hmm. to yeah. enter. Yeah. No other way.
0: He is the only way. And mm-hmm. so let's just talk for a minute. Uh, question 14. Uh, there, there's mm-hmm. so many different passages we could have put in here, but I just wanted everyone to get a flavor of all the things that jesus brings to us when we we go in through him
1: it is i mean just going through this list everyone is so rich with what we experience because jesus is the way Mm to that justification and peace that cleansing of all of our sins and being made like him and just that eternal life and bringing us to god and receiving every spiritual blessing and i just i mean it is like once you enter that way it's like that waterfall just yeah it's a it's never ending just it continually comes and being washed with all of these promises because of what jesus provides Mm -hmm. because of that
0: every spiritual blessing yeah the lavishness of his grace to us Mm -hmm. and giving us all of these things Through Jesus, yeah. Let's let's go on to Jesus as the truth. So here we had another list of beautiful cross references to Jesus being the truth. Um, Anything that stands out to
1: you with these? Yeah, it was so encouraging to continue to see all of these different threads woven through of how Jesus is the word and the word is truth mm-hmm. and how then we've been given the Holy Spirit to guide us into all truth yeah. and it's the truth that sets us free and just, just all of these things that bring richness when you see it tied together of Jesus being the truth and then what that provides for us.
0: Yeah, because he, he works that in us. You know, yeah. I love the fact that We are sanctified Mm. by the truth. truth. And you know, the word does that work in us. And so it's it's really sweet how we have that ongoing progressive becoming more like Jesus as we behold him, as we see him for who he really is, the Mm. way and the truth and Mm. the Let's go on and talk about the life. Earlier in the lesson, we talked about Jesus. Uh, raising Lazarus from physical death to life, and we've talked about Jesus being the author of life and the eternal life, but I want to just spend a little bit of time talking about how the life that we have now
1: through Jesus. Yeah, which is so important to see that connection of how we were we were dead in our sin, and then what we experience of being made alive in Christ. What a contrast. Yeah.
0: It's a radical change. And so I, I hope that this was a blessing to just kind of go through this passage and look at the befores and the before Christ and being in Christ, because mm-hmm. before Christ we are so dead, following the prince of the power of the air and disobedient, mm-hmm. following the passions of our flesh or body or mind and by nature children of wrath which we talked about last week being under the the wrath of God because of our sinful nature
1: but in Christ oh what mercy how we truly can be made alive and transformed and being able to put off the old self and walk in that newness of life and Mm -hmm being made like Christ and receiving the immeasurable riches of his grace. And how then it says we're raised up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places. Like what we have to hope for is unimaginable. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And we, I mean, it's just mind blowing. The riches that we have in him. And so i encouraged everyone doing the study to write their story of death to new life uh, testimony that they might be able to share with a
1: friend because i think this is a really good practice to do yeah we we talked about on in my table group wednesday night how helpful it was to think through how how do we convey in a short way to others that we might be meeting what what our life was like before christ and how we've experienced transformation and especially as we look towards easter Mm -hmm. and whether it's unbelieving neighbors or family members or friends and how do we convey to them what we've experienced and i i had an opportunity i was getting my hair done last week and the hairdresser's like i love easter easter's my favorite holiday and i was like oh tell me more like why do you love easter and she's like I love the pastel colors and the baby bunnies and my best friend's gonna make me an Easter basket. And I was like, that's great. And I was like, I love Easter too. It's actually my favorite holiday. And I was like, and I've been trying to help my boys see why Easter is the best because right now they think Christmas is the best. Uh I was like, but I've been talking with them about how, yes, Christmas is great because Jesus came as a baby, and he lived the life that we couldn't live, but then Easter we see he died the death that we deserved, and he then was raised to life, and if we don't have Easter and Jesus dying and raising again, we would be stuck in our Mm -hmm. sins, and we would not have hope, and we would be left in this destruction, and yet because of celebrating Easter, we have what we know is Resurrection Sunday where we have Jesus rising from the dead. And so we have now this eternal life and hope to come. And so I was like, that is what I'm trying to help my boy see and grasp how Easter is the best holiday. And so I was telling this to the hairdresser and I was like, and I've experienced that death and feeling so lost and wrestling through my own sin and despair and questioning is this God real? And does he care? And just trying thing after thing to quench just this emptiness I felt and wrestling through just the suffering I was experiencing. And then when I actually experienced the gospel and truly realizing that Jesus died for me and I'm a sinner and I had no good apart from him Mm -hmm. and being able to experience his grace for the first time, I felt that joy and peace that was unexplainable even though my circumstances hadn't changed and just telling her like i there was this transformation that happened even though my circumstances hadn't changed and she was just like wow oh I, i've actually (laughs) i haven't heard all this about easter before that's really interesting and i mean it and going through this is it's a helpful reminder to continue to say how yes. do we think through mm-hmm. our death and brought yeah. to new life and how can we share that in a succinct way to a
0: neighbor or
1: yeah. a hairdresser
0: well that's wonderful that you did that and that's kind of on the heels of just i'll put in a plug for moms because yes your co-leader for moms which stands for making our mothering significant yes And if anyone wants to hear the podcast from moms, our last meeting, we had Vince and Kathy Johnson share about how to share your faith. It was so
1: so great. And they gave specific points on how do you turn the conversation to be able to share the hope for which we have. How do you begin Mm to even ask those questions of, what do you think? Do you go to church? (laughs) Yeah
0: you so much for sharing and for giving us that example
1: mm-hmm. because
0: what you were doing is you are sharing Christ who is your life
1: mm-hmm. that
0: that's our next section in here because you know Colossians three tells us if you've been raised with Christ then we're to be seeking those things which are above, and that's where our mind is going to be and so when you're sitting at the hairdresser or you're where wherever you are you know maybe you're mm-hmm. checking out at the store or you're Sitting next to someone in a coffee shop, and you have that opportunity because then you can share how you have died with Christ. You are now in Christ, raised with Him, and you
1: can explain. Yeah, this is your hope. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these next questions in nineteen and twenty wow, were so helpful, and actually taking the time to pause and evaluate. I, what does it mean to? Have my to say with Paul that Christ is your life and to see how does that actually impact my day-to-day life and my priorities and my focus? And um, as we shared Wednesday night, all the women said how they were convicted and encouraged by these questions and being able to think through and not in a legalistic way of checking off, okay, what am mm-hmm. I doing? And am I doing enough? But that continually asking the spirit to search out and know me, where where am I not actually looking towards Christ and making him known and what things might need to shift? And just continuing to ask the spirit for help and revealing what are ways that I am not living in such a way that is making much of Jesus. and so yeah, I really appreciated the, even like what kind of repentance is necessary to reprioritize your life and really thinking through, okay, what does this look like to abide and integrate in all aspects and not just, all right, I'm going to check off this area, prioritize <laughs> Jesus in this way, but really to every aspect yeah yeah
0: and that is actually our theme that we have in moms this year is to ponder the preciousness of jesus Mm -hmm. and so our our mothers here at the north church have been pondering this year what does it mean that jesus is precious in my life how is he how is he my life yeah so I'm glad the way these are tied together this Mm year, we can just really focus in on that.
1: Yeah, which even goes to our, the North Church of our um, aim of, well it's the tagline of treasure Christ for all of life. Yes. Like if we say we treasure Christ, how does that then actually look in our life? Yes, how do we work it out in our life? How do we,
0: how is that evident in our life that we are actually are treasuring Mm -hmm. Jesus? And in order to do that, we need to know him. So uh, that's my hope through this study is that women just come to know Jesus and love him more and more and more as they see the way he's revealed in Scripture. So so I think we can go on to our last section here, which is Jesus as Lord. And so Mm -hmm. the passage that I went to is John 20, because this is a beautiful I keep saying that word beautiful
1: because I it run, is, it's run, so rich. <laughs> I
0: run out of adjectives to mm-hmm. describe the incredible um, way that Jesus is revealed to us in scripture, yeah. and He is ultimately beautiful. Mm-hmm. So, all right, so John 20 1 through 10, the setting here is. Uh, A garden, which is where Joseph of Arimathea's tomb was located. And we see this in John. If we go back to John 19, verse 41. Now, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden. And in the garden, a new tomb. And they laid Jesus there. And I just think this is a theme in the Bible that we can trace. We did this in the fall. Yeah. With Jesus as the king of glory. Because in Genesis, God created Adam and placed him. In the garden <laughs> yeah and the first adam he failed miserably because sin entered the world in the garden and resulted in them being thrown out of that garden and as the book the garden the curtain and the cross says there was warrior angels that were put up to you know say it was like a giant keep out yeah sign and that's what the the curtain in the temple ended up being was the giant keep out sign
1: that's right
0: but the jesus Sure. That's right. And so in the Gospel of John we have the second Adam, Jesus, who is now betrayed in the garden. We saw that last week, the Garden Mm -hmm. of Gethsemane. And then he was put to death and gloriously raised in a garden and shows himself alive to Mary. And so we read that on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. And so she She's kind of a central character here. And so in question 21, I asked us to just take a look at some of these cross-references so we could get to know her a little bit.
1: Yeah, that was helpful to continue to see how, the back of background of Mary, how she had seven demons gone from her and then she was one that followed Jesus. And she was one of the witnesses at the crucifixion. Yes. And she was right there and her love for Jesus like kept her near the cross. And then she was one of the women that saw where Jesus was buried and how his body was laid and then went to prepare the spices mm-hmm. and ointments. And she was the first to just run to yeah. the tomb. Yeah. And then being shocked, okay, where is he? And then yes. we find out that Jesus was. She was the first person that Jesus revealed himself to. Yeah, yeah.
0: Because as she wept, we read that she looked into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain. And I got to thinking about last week,
1: mm-hmm.
0: how we talked about the Ark of the Covenant and how the people were to build it. It had a solid gold. Um, lid on it like a, and it was called the mercy seat and on either end were carved these angels yeah. and so when the priest the high priest went in there once a year on the day of atonement to put blood there that was how the people were made right with god so here in the tomb we have a beautiful picture of that mercy seat yes yes and we talked about last week how You know that word mercy seat when it's translated from the hebrew to the greek to the english it's the word propitiation Mm. that paul uses in romans 3 to talk about what jesus did for us at the cross Mm. and so i just think it's so beautiful that as mary looks in here she sees those two angels in white where the body of jesus is lain, the mercy seat he is our mercy seat he has accomplished Mm. that for us and then I also thought it was interesting here that, you know, the angels said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And Jesus says the same thing, woman, why are you weeping? And we have then this statement that, you know, she's confused. She, she uses this term. She says, they've taken away my mm-hmm. Lord. So that's where we first see this, this term for Jesus, his title, my Lord. But she's confused. Who does she think? Jesus is.
1: Yeah, she just thinks he's a gardener and thinks somebody must have taken away Jesus' body. And so she's weeping because he's gone. Uh, yes.
0: Yeah, you've carried him away. Tell me where you've laid him. And I just, this is ironic. This goes back to the connection that we were just talking about with the garden because here is, she's assuming that he is the gardener. Mm. He is. <laughs> Yeah, He's the creator of all the gardens. He is the ultimate gardener, really. Yeah, And uh, he is now, We're this is a term that we're going to have in our lesson next week as well, but he's the second Adam who accomplished everything that he uh, set out to do in the garden.
1: It, and here he is raised to life in the garden, right? revealing himself as the resurrection.
0: Yes, <laughs> the as the resurrection and the life. And it's just beautiful. And I think the other thing here is that, you know, Mary doesn't recognize him. She doesn't recognize his voice. And, and it says here that she she saw Jesus, but she didn't know that it was Jesus. Mm-hmm. There's a certain sense of, you know, seeing but not really seeing. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what happens in in. All of us to some extent you know as we see more of Jesus and we know him more we recognize who he really is but as Jesus speaks a second time we have that in this next verse Jesus said to her Mary she uses or he uses her name and she immediately
1: recognizes yes. him how she then knew who he was when he spoke out her name and and
0: I think this highlights again for us Jesus as the Good Shepherd, which is another one of the I am statements that we had a couple of weeks ago. Because in John 10, we read, The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he's brought them all out, all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Mm. It's a beautiful. Again, connection to Isaiah, because Isaiah 43, 1 says, Fear not, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Mm-hmm. So I just don't want anyone to miss these sweet truths that when we know Jesus, we we will recognize his
1: voice and we will follow him and he knows our name.
0: It's, it's incredible.
1: Oh, he is a personal, like he's, he desires that intimate and personal relationship.
0: Mm-hmm. So we read here next that she uses this other term for him, rabone, another title, which means teacher. But when she goes on here, when she announces to the disciples, she says, I have seen the Lord. And I think it's really, an upside-down sweetness no I'm not saying that right it's it's just it's what God does when he uses the foolish to shame well, the wise
1: upside-down kingdom of what seems counter yeah he uses to continue to reveal more of himself in ways that we wouldn't have expected of oh mm-hmm. yeah he it's a woman mm-hmm. that he reveals himself to first after yeah. being raised from the dead yeah which You know, in an article
0: uh, by Justin Taylor, he actually said that the fact that women were not able to even testify in a Jewish court of law kind of matters and it points to two crucial truths. And Mm -hmm. the first one is a reminder, as we said, that the kingdom of the Messiah turns the system of the world on its head. And it's Mm -hmm. into this culture that Jesus radically affirmed the full dignity of women and the vital value of their witness. But second, it's a powerful, apologetic reminder of the historical accuracy of the resurrection accounts. If these were cleverly devised myths, women would never have been presented as the first eyewitnesses of the risen Christ.
1: So true. Hmm.
0: So I think there's probably a few other sweet truths that we can glean about this encounter with Jesus and mary here yeah this is question 23.
1: it is i think helpful to see how jesus's ascension was still to come Mm -hmm. how he was there and wanted to reveal who he was and that they would believe and that he had come to fulfill all the scriptures and then seeing how then because of Jesus's death and resurrections, like the dead mm-hmm. disciples and us share in his sonship. Yeah. Yeah. Because He talks about your father, your God. That's, yes. he's including us in that. Mm. Oh Yeah. Jesus is the way to the father and all who believe mm-hmm. are one and mm-hmm. we are in Jesus. In Jesus.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wow. He's accomplished so much for us. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's move on now to the account of Jesus and Thomas as we start to wrap this up. Um, In John 20, 24 through 29, uh, we read um, about Thomas. Can you read that? Yeah, that would be great. Thank you.
1: Now, Thomas, one of the 12, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Mm. So, Thomas, we,
0: we I mean he's called Thomas the Doubter, right? Unfortunately, unbelief was the issue here um, because he wasn't there when Jesus showed up. And so he says, Unless I see, I'll never believe. And I I think there's many of us that have family or friends that are in that category yeah. that say, I'll never believe mm-hmm. unless, unless this, unless that. But I think we, this is a good reminder to just pray mm-hmm. that they would have their eyes open, that they would see and believe.
1: Yeah, especially Jesus calls that out. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet believed. It does take that faith, which we're given. Mm-hmm. Through him. Through him, yeah. That gift of faith
0: to be able to see and believe. Yeah. So Thomas, you know, all of his demands for touching Jesus uh, seem to fly out the window here as he 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 knows. He he's given that gift of faith. He knows that Jesus is that all sufficient, all-sovereign, all-knowing savior. And he cries out, My Lord and my God. So I think as we close here, I mean, the resurrection of Jesus, we we opened with this as well, but it is so crucial to our faith because if the resurrection didn't really happen, Paul said, our faith is for nothing. We'd still be in sin. Yeah. Yeah. it would be worth nothing at all. So I think knowing that Jesus is truly alive, he's our resurrected Lord and Savior, should really lift
1: our hearts. It should bolster our faith, and allow us to trust Mm -hmm. in Him. Especially, I love just the timeliness of this lesson in preparing for Easter Mm -hmm. and knowing that we have this full assurance and confidence of Christ's death and resurrection. And because of that, we have hope to come and we have life eternal. And to know that's why we can boast all the more gladly because of the suffering or whatever it is that we know this is not the end of the story. We know that he has defeated sin and death and that we can also join in that victory over sin and death Mm -hmm. as we are in him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the
0: Lord is risen today. And we uh, actually in our class on wednesday morning we closed as we sang this Mm. hymn because i think it's just so beautiful that there are so many different names of jesus that we see in this hymn and so i would just encourage those that are listening to this that even if you don't know this hymn that you go through and you just look at it because he is our he is the lord of heaven he is the everlasting he is the king of glory Uh, There's just so many beautiful, beautiful titles of Jesus that are in this hymn. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: So, Julia, thank you so much for joining us.
1: It was a joy to talk through Uh, the study together.
0: Yeah, it was just, uh, I loved being able to talk with you and to be able to rejoice in the resurrection together. So thank Mm -hmm. you once again. Thank you.